All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check when the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air. Let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season Capital H Capital S, all one word at ZephyrEpic.com. Z E P H Y R Epic. Go check them out on all platforms. That promo code Hockey Season will get you five dollars off your order. They also ship free anywhere in Canada. Give me two on- cities. Orders over $50, all the way from Thunder Bay to Sycamus. No, they have to start with the same letter. What? Yeah. I never That's noticed the whole that point was something of it. you did. Okay. Well, That's we are also right. delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. Folks, seriously, if you haven't yet, go download DoorDash, make an account. You're saving money. You're saving money. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, wearing his tailored jeans, Chris Faber, and Harmon Dial, who's also in jeans. How's it going, folks? From Thunder Bay all the way to Tofino. <laughs> okay. That's how you do it. From Vancouver to Vaughn. Oh, that's better. Because you're not getting the alliteration with Thunder Bay. Do you know what alliteration? You know what alliteration I know what it don't. <laughs> I don't want to start. You two freaking smartasses come in here. I don't want to deal with this right off the bat. That sounded way meaner than it was. Yeah. You just looked at me confused, so I wanted to make sure. I know what alliteration I know, is. I know I what know. a verb is. <laughs> I didn't for a while. Like, way longer than yeah, I Yeah, you don't know how to do long division, so you try and hey, come in here and make hey, man. me look stupid. Look, I don't have to do long division for my job, okay? Wait, you don't know how to do long division? No, you didn't hear this story? I th- Weren't you on the... Okay, I guess you weren't on the episode. I told this on the last episode. I, like... I just sat out the long division part of, like, grade 7, grade 8 when you're doing long division. <laughs> you, like, sat out. So I got sick, right? And I didn't go to school. Um... And then I like got sent home with like practice for it and I, I never really did it. And then I just, you know, in my head I was like, well, like you can't fail grade seven, right? Like you're going to go to yeah. high school regardless. And I was like, you know, I was already like in English honors in high school. Like I was ready for that, right? Like, you know, uh, that was going to be my thing right from when I was a kid. So I like just. I did the long division test and I like, I, I think I like failed it and it was so late in the year. Cause I was doing a test like to make up for it. Cause I was sick. My teacher was just like, yeah, like I don't, yeah, it's fine. Like whatever. I, I've got a really funny grade seven math story too. So I did not like paying attention in school to math. I was pretty decent at it. So what I decided to do was I spent two weeks in winter break in grade seven and I did the homework for the entire year. Like I went through every (laughs) chapter, like just went through the entire textbook and just like grinded it out. And for the rest of the year, for the next six months, I did absolutely nothing in math class. And I just like, I literally just handed in my homework to the teacher. I was like, I'll do the tests and that's it. Like, I'm not like, I'll (laughs) stare at you blankly and pretend I'm paying attention, but this is it. Boy Man. genius. I love it. Work smarter, not harder. That's fantastic. That's kind of why uh, people can't see us, but that's why we have the F up there, because I also never learned how to write in cursive. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> on the left there. That's how you properly write an F. We tweeted this out. Yeah, we already tweeted this picture out, but that's how Chris writes an F. And his name, <laughs> his signature, has an F in it, and it looks like that. <laughs> For those that haven't seen it, Go to the Canucks Combo Twitter account. I would have now that no now that I know Harm was a super genius back in in elementary school, are too. we surprised? I would have no, but I would have liked to give Harm a run for his go in uh, quick multiplications when I was in grade seven in my peak. A that run was, for oh, his go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've lost all that skill now, but like up up to anything, but uh, anything up to nineteen times nine, like you could 
drop 13 times seven. And I would, and I would just like, like off the stop of my fingers. Know that. Yeah. I used yeah. to be, I, well, I feel like I still could if we, if we set up a, you'd be better at me now. I, lo- I lost, I lost, I was good up to like skills. 2020, like to 20 times 20. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. That I was like back in the day. We, like that's I was nuts. I could I like maybe do 12 like tops. Yeah. Well, I think I could do all those instantly. No chance. You could I'm beat so me then good, if yeah. you could do t- up to twenty times well, twenty. I had, there was this one kid, Nam Fam. He was. Uh, he was, <laughs> he was <laughs> Why was that so? <laughs> in grade seven, he was the guy who gave me a run, and like he was the smartest kid in everything. He was the smartest kid in like all of like elementary school, and the only thing I could beat him in the only time anyone ever beat him in. It's me on multiplications one time, and the day that I beat him, I I remember like I think I I don't know if I got I don't think I got suspended, but I definitely I definitely got in trouble because I told him to suck it after I beat him on like because you had to finish the page and like hand it in, and I beat him to the front of the class, handed it in, I told him to suck it, and I think I got sent to the office or something. I just I'm losing it. How you said his name was just freaking damn bam. We gotta clip that. We gotta get a Nam Fam button for the board. Nam's oh my brother's gosh. name was Lam Fam, and his dad owned a jewelry shop in uh, in Nanaimo. Sonny's Jewelry. Oh, I shout out to them! Would... Right beside the Landlubber, actually. Wow. Yeah. So we went from suck at Nam Fam to shout out to their family jewelry just, shop, and then sh- just to the Landlubber and their delicious. I'll tell you, Landlubber, former sponsor of the show. Delicious, the uh, stuffed tater tots of the landlubber man. Whole. What are they stuffed with? People know it's sour cream, bacon, cheese, Ooh. green onion, and they're kind of like they just they roll. It's just shredded potatoes that they roll around all that oh. stuff, and then they're they're kind of lo- they're almost like like a half hot dog kind of. It's wow. just a stuffed tater tot. I tell you, boys, one day we'll, we got to get an island trip going. I'll show you guys the sights. We'll go to the landlubber. That's about it. And I'm actually, we won't, they won't be very long. Oh, man. We'll, we can Short literally trip. do this. We can do like a ferry trip and like come back at night. Have you ever been to the Nanaimo boat race? Oh, my God. What did you just say? Isn't it called the boat race? The bathtub races? Oh, yeah. The, the, the boat. Anyone from Nanaimo <laughs> just lost all respect for you. Uh, you know what I'm talking we about. We know the bath. I'll tell you. So how many bathtub races have you been to? Every single have one. Have you ever competed in one? No, I've never competed, but my buddy won three years in a row. So, so okay. So how do you go about competing in that? Like, do you have to bring your own? Is it BYOB? You got to No, you got to be grandfathered in. Your dad had to race a bathtub for you to get in the bathtub wow. races. Well, so, not, not really, but do you the actually, best racers. You build your own bathtub or what i mean it's not really a bathtub it's not an actual bathtub it's the size of a bathtub oh (laughs) it's like a boat like it's like a very small speed boat oh and they rip like they have huge motors not huge they have big motors for the size of the little boat and they used to they used to the race used to be on real and honestly man people in nanaimo know this like the best time to be downtown is the bathtub races beer gardens because like there's a there's music going on all day. The beer gardens takes up the whole waterfront. It's this huge area, and everyone's down there. Everyone's parents are down there. Everyone uncles down there. It's it's a blast. A bathtub weekend is unreal in Nanaimo. In my head, up until now, I was imagining that people actually bought bathtubs like, and like like a bathtub with like an electric motor and yeah, they just putts around. Yeah, I thought no, they had man. to build it. No, dude, they they are like fast little boats and they rip through all the tide, like wow. through all the waves and everything. It's a good. They've had to cancel. It a couple times because like people were people were almost dying out there because it was like a windy day and the little bathtub boats are so small and light mm. they've had to cancel it or postpone it a day and it sometimes they postpone it then you get another day of drinking at the beer garden so you get the monday out of it sometimes wow 
That sounds like a lot of fun. Plus, hey, we just came from the Nanaimo bars come out. Like everybody's got their, you know, trying to flex how good their Nanaimo bars are around places. Uh, All the food trucks are out. I tell you, man, it's it's the one of the best weekends in Nanaimo. Because the thing is, like, you know, so many when you grow up in Nanaimo, you know, so many people in the town, and then you like everybody's parents are at the same thing. Everyone's like, it, it's just good. It's a it's like the one thing that really brings all Nanaimo together. So we'll go for a weekend in Nanaimo. We'll go watch the. The bathtub races. We'll the go boat to, races, you call it. Yeah, the boat races. Jeez, we'll go to NamFam's jewelry. Sonny's jewelry. Yeah, we'll go to uh, the Landlubber as well. But we just came from the Parallel 49th Street Kitchen. Don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but uh, we love our sponsors there. You'll hear an ad for them uh, in the halfway point. They've got the Oktoberfest stuff going on right now. What did you have today? I had a schnitzel, schnitzel witch. Schnitzel, what am I trying to say here? I don't schnitzel know. Schnitzel witch. Schnitzel. That's what it was called. It was yeah. a schnitzel sandwich. Okay. And? I actually even, when I ordered it, I said, did I say that right? She said, yeah. And I was like, perfect. I'll say it on the podcast. And then I just screwed it up there. <laughs> and what would you think? It was pretty, it was good, man. I, you know, I haven't had schnitzel in so long that mm. I forgot what schnitzel even tastes like. I didn't know what it was till today. Yeah. I had to explain to you what it was, but I'll tell you what I had there. I had a buttermilk coleslaw on Parallel 49th Street Kitchen. That was bomb. I was telling you guys, like, I hate cabbage more than the rest. Like, the worst food I think in the whole world is cabbage rolls. Cabbage rolls is the most disgusting food that I've ever seen in my life. But I like coleslaw, and that's all cabbage. So it's not like it's it's just something about the cabbage rolls. I think mm. I had coleslaw today. I like how the thing I like about coleslaw is it's so thin. I like yeah. I like my salads like really thin. People give you a big chunky Caesar salad. It's like the size, you know, the size of like your phone with one piece of yeah, lettuce. Yeah, That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I always cut my real nice and thin. Nice. Excellent. I had a warm pretzel and that was fantastic. The pretzel looked really the good. Pretzel was very good. Parm had the sandwich. He didn't listen. He obviously doesn't listen to the ads and the ads. I tell you, you got to swap out the jalapenos I told him for the he pickles. He didn't want it. He didn't want it. The jalapenos. Can we address the ketchup it. situation that Harm <laughs> no, had? Here, no, yeah, yeah, a modern this. day John Garrett. I didn't know this about you. <laughs> You like ketchup on everything. Oh, dude, it's I have the palate of a 12-year-old. Like I love chicken strips. I honestly anywhere I go, anywhere I go, I could I could you could you, you could offer me this and, and be like, "Harmon, for the rest of your life, any restaurant you go to, you can only have a chicken sandwich or a burger. Nothing else." And I would be like, "You know what?" I'm totally fine. Like I as really as don't care. As long side. as I get some ketchup yeah. on it. But like wow. Armour does the chicken sandwich got like all the nice <laughs> sauce on it, the good little you know, the lettuce mix in there, the the, the jalapenos, everything's all set. It's a perfect sandwich. And Arm goes up and orders a glob of ketchup and just plops it right on top of the chicken. And just we're oh, like, man. what the hell is oh. going on? You took two bites, like two little nibbles I saw, and then you're like, I gotta get some ketchup here. We're like, that what are you so doing? It, it, it just kinda tastes dry without Ketchup. I don't know. Ooh, sponsors aren't going to like that. No, right there. no it, it tastes amazing with ketchup. <laughs> yeah, the Harmon recommendation is go, go, go put ketchup on. I remember last year, Gemma Carson Smith was just absolutely appalled in the press box when she like was talking about food with Harmon and I. And then Harmon and I were both like, yeah, neither of us eat vegetables. She's yeah, like, what? How can you just write off vegetables? I shake them up like in a, in a veggie. I, I've come around on veggie them since shake. we had this conversation with yeah. Gemma because that was last. I year. can't eat. I just drank all my <laughs> veggies. <laughs> I was confused. Like, I, like, like, literally, just like put them in like a Tupperware and shake no, them up. No, no, no. Like, actually, you know, carrots taste a little bit better when they're shaken a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> shaken, not stirred. Yeah. Okay, this is a Canucks podcast. We've gotten 15 minutes without even mentioning the team we cover. Whoops. Um, <laughs> but believe it or not, this is Canucks conversation. 
we have a little clip that we're going to play. Um, we have a lot of topics to get to. The first one that I wanted to bring up was, uh, you know, another lighthearted one at training camp. Brock Besser was calling Nick Patan PD. Uh, so I asked Elias Patterson about it today. We have that clip here. Summer again. I I saw something or someone tagged me or something that Brock called Peton Peter didn't click the video didn't didn't want to think it was true but uh, so yeah I'm sure he is in his proudest moment but that last week we saw you with the fresh Nike Dunks well, I mean, it's dress shoes and suits the game, so I don't know when I'm going to show them. But, um, I mean, I, I like sneakers. Um, whenever I feel like getting a new pair, I'll get a new pair. But, um, yeah, I have a few pairs at home. Yeah, we also just let Harmon's clip run through, which was awesome. Awesome okay. question from Harmon. We were, it was funny. Like, Harmon doesn't come to a lot of morning skates and, and practices. So the fact we were both there sitting next Harman to each other. Harmon goes to a lot. I'm, I make it out a decent sometimes. amount. Sometimes. <laughs> when I'm there, Harmon's there. You're rarely there either. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know what? I think we end up going on opposite opposite days. Me and me and you, quads. That, that makes sense. But it was so funny because we were there at the same time, and you uh, you asked that question. I asked this one, and it was pretty funny because we were we were hearing it from the other uh, other media. The Gen Z reporters were asking. Look at these kids in here talking about dunks yeah, and talking about sneakers. Yeah, yeah. Old um, media did not like that. No, they didn't. No, about, I, I thought they... Yeah, no, I'm just joking. Yeah, was like, <laughs> yeah we, we were just talking about PJ when we say old media. Yeah. He's the dad of the group. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> hey, before before we get too deep into this, we also... I, I feel like we should address this at the top of the show, but... Oh, the, yeah, the we end, have a radio like, show. We have a good, kind, of a, kind of a big announcement for maybe <laughs> like people that haven't seen on Twitter. I just remembered uh, we're going to be on Sportsnet. Um, starting next Saturday, quads and I were offered a three hour time slot. Uh, we can explain it here better than we can on Twitter, actually. Yeah, yeah. So the, the deal with the show, it's going to be called the Warm Up with Faber and quads. It's going to be the three hours leading into the pregame show. So if there's a game on Saturday and say it's at seven, the pregame show starts for that at six on Sportsnet 650. And we're going to be, oh, geez, what are we going to start at five, four, three? We're going to start at three, right? Three, four, five. Yeah, we're going to start at three. <laughs> I should have done, written this out a little bit. Uh, so we'll do three hours going into the pregame show. And then when there's not games on Saturdays, we're just going to have three hours of like whatever the hell we want to do on sports. And it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Totally interactive. I'm very excited because that's not really an element we get on the podcast and doing everything live will be super fun. Uh, we're going to check ourselves a little bit, eh? Because, you know, I'll tell you, you I'd know who say, needs to get checked? Our freaking Twitter accounts from Twitter verified already. What do you mean? Oh, it needs to It'd get be verified? nice to get yeah. a blue check. Yeah. Anyway, that Spor- was, I'll talk but, to my Sportsnet people. That's kind of off topic. I'm but just anyway. saying, I thought that was a good transition. <laughs> Yeah, but I wasn't done finishing what I was saying, right. and I don't even remember what it was. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, there's probably at least once a month where one of us, usually you, says something, and we have to stop the recording and be like, you can't say that. <laughs> yeah, good point. No, check I, ourselves a little I'm bit. even more careful on the radio. That's good. Uh, I probably you know what be. I said the other day on the radio, which I don't know. It's, I don't know maybe no one caught it, but I was like, we were playing. I played Rick Astley, never going to give you up. And I said, I was like, this guy's got soul. It's like a ginger with soul. You'll love to see it. 
I said that on the, on the radio the other day, and then I like I didn't even know what like I said wrong there. And then I was like, oh crap! And I was like, but no one said anything. No, no one texted in. No one texted in. Nice. So I was all clear there. I had a man. I tell you, they they always say like, man, I had a, just a hell of a playlist the other day when I was producing. Just fire music all the time. Finish with Rick Astley. Never going to give you up at the end. Hell of a way nice. to go out. My all favorite right. is you playing No Air. Yeah, that one was <laughs> not well the, received when the station shut down or station went down for like 40 minutes. I came back with Jordan Sparks. No air. No one. I got a I got a text from the boss that he's, you can't play no air after we had no air. I oh, said, but man. it was perfect. Oh, oh man. And literally the way that the song starts like, tell me how you're supposed to breathe with no air. It's <laughs> like, that's what we came back with. Oh, man. After, after just having nothing. Oh, that is so funny. So that was a good. Hey. Was that C-Mac or was that still, was that art at that time? I don't want to get into who was I getting really, mad at me at oh, Sports Now, but I it wasn't C-Mac, that. I'll tell you that. That's too bad. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of conversations with C-Mac when he was at 650. That tweet you posted was so funny. Okay, let's talk some Canucks here. <laughs> yeah, we're like 20 minutes. I haven't even Damn it, Canucks. this should have just been the Patreon. Yeah, no kidding. All right, Pedersen and Hughes, back in the lineup. Love to see it, I tell you. Like, man, Canucks hockey is so much better with these two in the lineup. Um, just to see... Not only like what the power play looks so different, but just little things like Pedersen on the board battles. Like I forgot how good Pedersen just is with like controlling the puck in such tight spaces on the boards. And obviously seeing Quinn Hughes move around the puck. And like I said on the podcast a couple weeks ago when you and I were arguing, Pullman and him makes a lot of sense. We've seen that. It sounds like that's what it's going to be like moving forward. Travis Green answered. Well, I asked him two questions about that the other night. And uh, people are, I've heard people online now, they're like, sometimes, favorite, you only ask questions so that you can prove quads wrong in an argument you have. And I said, well, when I'm that right, yeah, I'm going to get confirmation from the coach in an argument that I'm having with quads. So maybe I did a little bit of that the other night, but, you know, he really liked that pairing together. But I want to start with Pedersen, just like getting him back in the lineup. Man, I forgot how much of an impact the guy really makes just in little things. Absolutely. And I think the best part about him and Hughes signing and being with the team are people that were trying to convince themselves that, yeah, if these guys hold out, everything will be fine. Like they're, they're replaceable. Like they're getting too greedy. And all these people that were like talking bad about them online being like, ah, we don't even need them. Like, yeah, you do. Like the Canucks absolutely need these guys. And it's absolutely apparent through one game and like a morning skate. And it's awesome to see Patterson back on the ice because like you said, it's just, you almost forget. And I think it partly just because he only played like 30 games last year, missed the final 30 games last year. Um, you know, I think we kind of did forget just how much of an impact he makes in all areas of the ice. And it's apparent right away. Like he just looks different out there. Yeah. And I think just, to get him back in the lineup was huge. And I know like, I don't know what harm you thought about the lines today because like just seeing the way that it was mixed up. I'm, I don't, I don't know how I feel about chase on being a guy potentially playing with Pedersen on opening night, but you don't think that's actually going to be what we see. Do you? I mean, they apparently sound like, sounded like they look pretty good together the other night. So maybe it's a look that they're considering, but yeah, I mean, I, I imagine if I were a betting man that they go Garland, Pedersen, Besser, um, and then they already like Pearson, Horvat, Hoaglander, and then that leaves you JT Miller centering a third line, and we'll, we'll see what direction they go in. I think quite clearly at this point, I think Nick Patan is making the team. I, I think that uh, based off the amount of opportunities he's had, and he's had four points in four preseason games, I think he's done enough for the coaching staff to give him a look. 
personally, I'm not the biggest fan of Nick Patan. I think, um, you know, we'll see. Maybe the Canucks can catch lightning in a bottle, but I think that definitely seems to be uh, a potential pairing there. And then we'll see who lines up on the right wing, whether it's someone like Chase on or a pod Coles in. Uh, but I think that's we're starting to see the skeleton of of the top nine really come come you know come to shape with Pedersen returning in the lineup and especially on the power play. I mean, watching PP one snap the puck around and just having the threat of Pedersen shot back, it just adds another um, you know dynamic layer. And this is one thing I want to talk to you guys about. Like, I'm sure we're going to talk about Alex Chase on as well pretty soon, but. You know, obviously Brock Besser's been out and Chase Hahn's gotten these uh, looks on uh, PP1 net front. What if they just keep Chase on on power play one and move Besser to the second unit? And then that second unit has, say, like Garland on his left flank, Besser on his uh, downhill side on the right, uh, on the right wing, um, Hoagland on the bumper, Pearson net front, OEL manning the point. Like, that's a pretty solid second unit. I don't know how I feel about. Um, you know, whether Chase on should be on the top unit or not, but I'm curious to get your guys' well, thoughts. You heard Quinn Hughes say the other night though, like that he, I think his exact quote was that goal doesn't go in without Chase on screening like that. Yeah. yeah. And he said like he was very like very positive towards high praise. He, he high literally praise. said like we haven't had a guy in front of the net like that before. And like had very high praise for him in that moment. But to me, like this you know, and that second unit that you just floated out there, Harm, what's your thoughts on a second unit without a center? Because it to me, like I wrote about it last week about Horvat being the guy that dropped down and people were like, why the hell would it not be Miller? If you're going to drop a center off, it's obviously not going to be Pedersen. Horvat's the guy leading in goals. But when I looked at power play points over the past two years, I was kind of shocked to see that JT Miller has 43 power play points. Second in the last two years has 28 in Elias Pettersson. He's the primary like play initiator. Right? So is As he more important than Horvat, who obviously their number one play is a bumper shot from Horvat, but because of Miller putting up so many points, to me it makes sense that Horvat would be the guy to drop down. It, well, he, guess who leads the team in power play goals over the last two years? Yeah, 18 with Horvat. Yeah, and yeah. he's like he's their primary weapon where, you know, I've used this analogy before, but Pedersen's presence is he almost serves as like as gravity where it's like in the NBA, when you have an elite three point shooter, like Steph Curry on the floor, it just, it it opens up the space for other players because whether it's Pedersen, Pedersen shot or like Curry shot, like if you're a penalty kill planning against Vancouver's top power play unit, guarantee you the first thing that they're saying when pre-scouting is if there's one threat that we absolutely cannot let the Canucks have. It's that Pedersen one time bomb. And so, obviously, since you have the man advantage, the Canucks as the next move, kind of they think, okay, we'll just we'll just use Horvat in the bumper, and, and I just think that's been working for them really well. So, honestly, I would want both Miller and Horvat on uh, the top unit. I think in twenty nineteen twenty, uh, when they had a top five power play in the league, I thought that looked really really good. And you know, it is an interesting point about having no center in the second unit, but. I'm curious to think how often are they even going to have to take draws? A lot of times in the second unit, come steps over the boards, it's on the fly. So 
I, I, I always think that that's kind of over, like people overthink that. Like, oh, you don't, you, you need a center on the second power play unit. They're never going to ice the puck. You're never going to have a defensive zone yeah. face off. Your goalie's not going to cover it. Yeah. But it just, like, does it not just feel a little dirty? Like not having could, a center on the ice? But you, you could also just do like, ask one of Miller or Horvat to take the draw, win the draw, get off the ice. Right. And that was kind of why I brought up, like, you're not, like the only chance would be if you ice the puck. On the yeah. second power play in it, what's that going to happen once this year? Yeah. Maybe once or twice. That's why it's not the biggest deal to me either. It's just like I said, it just it doesn't feel right not having a center on the ice, especially when you're loading up that first unit with three. But to counterpoint what you said about Horvat being the most important, you know, piece or not, you know, he's saying a huge piece. He, of the power he's just play. the one that feasts as a result of Pedersen creating that space. The thing that I also found shocking in the last two years was that he only has one primary assist as well. So yes, he's got the 18 goals because he's the trigger man, but how many other people could be the trigger man? The way that I presented it in the article earlier this week was like, Hey, you can have two different times where you can have a one timer opportunity. If you use Garland and Miller, as the bumper net front, and they're rotating. When the puck's on the right on Pedersen's side, Garland comes up to the bumper. He's a one-time shot right there. When the puck goes over to Besser's side on the left, Miller goes to the bumper. He's got a one-time shot there. So to me, like that's why I kind of opened up the idea of it being Horvat, just because of how much Miller can do on the power play. I like the... Well, from my perspective, I like... I think the bumper's more effective um, when... Like it's more it's more of a dangerous option when the 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 puck carrier is on his downhill side. So for instance, with you know, you mentioned Pedersen and Garland and being able to have that one time threat there, hundred percent. But it's a little bit different when you're on your offside in that sort of sequence. Whereas if you're a miller, what what tends to happen, the advantage of being downhill is yes, you don't have the the one the one timer threat for someone like JT Miller on that left flank. But when you're coming downhill, the defenders and the the penalty killers, because of your body position, they don't know if you're going to shoot or if you're going to pass. And like it's that deception and them not knowing how you're going to attack and being able to build speed that I think legitimizes the one time in the bumper that much more. Um, and that's also a very different angle too, like you mentioned. Yeah, if you are it's going a very down- different. Yeah, I think it's just a lot easier to slide it and create that one timer when it's on your when when Miller's coming down his strong side to Horvat as opposed to say Pedersen on the right flank trying to feed Garland. The other spot that it comes from in quads, we we've talked about Chase on a little bit potentially being a power play one guy. Another thing that's been done so well is the pass from Miller down to the guy down low quickly to Horvat's stick and shoots. Can Chase on make that play though? <sighs> Because okay. that's a huge piece of their offense. It's yeah. it's literally the number one thing that they try and like. Yes, they try and feed Pedersen a lot, but there's yeah. there's probably more okay. attempts to Horvat. So, can Chase on make that play? That's the question. And based on training camp and the preseason that I've seen, I'm gonna say no. Based on talking to my oily boys in Oilers Nation, there, what the freaking oily boys. Them. Yeah, that's what they call themselves, the oily boys. What did, what did they lose Nation. a bet or something? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. The oily boys at Nation Network. Anyway, wow. I was talking to them, and uh, there's some weird you know, people out in Edmonton, man. I'm just gonna come out and say it. And <laughs> the, our Nation Calgary Network. listeners, and we got a lot of them. They'll appreciate that. There's some <laughs> weird people out there in Edmonton. Anyway, um, I was talking to Bag Milk at uh, Oilers Nation. I was just like, man, like I'm watching Chase on. How did he score goals on the power play? And he's just like, honestly, he would just stand there with his stick on the ice and Connor, and he knew exactly where Connor and Leon wanted him to be. 
and they would put the puck on his stick. And even if it was like in skates or in traffic, he was so good at finding a way to put it in the back of the net. And that's how he had that success. Now, can Chason shoot from that far out at the bumper position? I don't know. Not with the same proficiency and success as Bo Horvat, I think. Like one thing Horvat's really good at is those quick snapshots and like picking his spot on those shots. I just haven't seen that from Chase on to say with confidence. Yeah, no, what we're asking is if he can like if he can make that pass though. Mm. Like because you know how they do that pass yeah, yeah. tic tac toe like the triangle. The yeah, Miller to somebody quickly up to Horvat. Oh, they totally used Chase to on the trigger man. No, hell no, yeah, no. It's say, gonna be like no chance. That's no, keep happen. him. In, but the net front guy has to be able to make yeah. that pass. It feels like right. Yeah, but can Chase on do that? That's I, what I'm asking you. That's what I just asked you. <laughs> again, again, same same premise. I don't think he can based on what I've seen at camp mm-hmm. and preseason. Like he looks really bad in the October third game. He looked awful. He looked better last night, don't get me wrong. And, you know, this is coming out on Saturday, but Thursday night's game, he did look better. I just, man, I honestly, I don't know. Like, I'm not comfortable shaking up the power play unit, like, kind of for the same reason Harmon alluded to there. It's just like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And now, you know, even without Besser on that second unit, you know, you have a legit second unit, whether that be Jack Rathbone, OEL, or even both um, on that power play unit, like, You've got a legit quarterback for sure, at least in Jack Rathbone, and they've been using him in that spot. Um, That is a second unit that is hands down the best second unit that they've had under Travis Green, like without a doubt. Yeah, no, I I agree with that for sure, too. I just the second unit, like if you do put Chase on in there, is it like you, you mentioned Besser? I would say Horvat. Do you have a different name? Like, or, or is this like, like who slide would slide down to the second just unit? Who would come off the first unit? Like, Chase on. I would take Chase on off it. I don't think my guess, if I were a betting man, is again, I'm, I'm not saying this because I know something. I'm just trying to think it through logically. I just think that they'll keep Chase on the top unit, bump Besser down. I think that's what I think that's probably what's going to happen as you well. Think Besser, you guys both think Besser is going to I think be the guy. that's what's going to happen. I, I don't that's what, I don't agree yeah. with it. Mm. I don't think Chase on should be on that first unit. I, the one interesting thing is you mentioned Chase on's ability to tip pucks and like I wonder like, I'm just thinking it through. Like Chase on he may not have the playmaking below the goal line that Toffoli did, but I think for so long, the team has been trying to get a right shot to work in that net front kind of position. I think Brock Besser was kind of learning the position, learning that spot. Still don't Look think that Foley just for that little bit, right? They I know. liked him right there. But I, yeah, so my point is, I don't think they see Besser as a perfect fit there. I think they prefer him on the flank and you kind of need a right shot there for them to do like some of their other, some of their other looks. It just works better handedness wise. And so anyway, with his ability to tip pox, like I wonder about, Pedersen, when he does have the puck on his on on the right flank, like he's so good at, he's gonna draw the the eyes of the penalty killers with the threat of a shot. I wonder if it'll open up Pedersen's playmaking in terms of like how many like not slap passes necessarily, but quick strike, just like flat on the ice, hard sort of tip opportunities. Is he going to be able to fire that chase on kind of, kind of tip home? So, I mean, I'm curious to see how it kind of ultimately looks. Um, but I think, yeah, chase on is fundamentally going to work as a different sort of piece compared to obviously what Defoli was, but he might be effective there. I mean, he was genuinely pretty good there for Edmonton, Edmonton's top unit for a while. The thing about chase on is going to be interesting. It's like, we're talking about a guy potentially being on the first power play unit 
And I think we're all in the camp that Chase on is going to make this team. Yeah. And he is going to be on the opening night roster. I think that the lines in practice have showed us that enough guy's still not signed yet with the Vancouver Canucks. He's on a PTO. We're going to have to work on a contract before. And I don't think that'll take that long with a guy on a PTO who wants to play here, but to see him at five on five, I think that's the part that's going to hurt. Like you mentioned, I think earlier, potentially he's playing on a line with Miller playing on third line with Miller. I don't think he's going to play on a fourth line because Travis Green's going to need some penalty killers somewhere, and he's going to have to have some of those guys playing on the fourth line. Like I, don't, I don't see us like it. Sounds there's a lot of good things about Chase on on the power play for sure, but to me, there's not a lot of great things at five on five that he's going to be able to bring. Am I am I wrong saying that? I don't think so. Uh, not at all. Like it doesn't feel like a player that that good teams would have in their top nine. Like I like the idea of chase on always as the way that we always bring up Sam Gagne, how Sam Gagne was used he so could well. Still be, he could still be on the fourth line though. You just bump pod Coles and up. Yeah. I think he, yeah, I guess you go with I, pod Coles I, honestly, I think that is what's going to happen. But is like, that just another name that can't kill penalties in Travis Green's lineup in the end? Because who's killing penalties right now with that lineup? Like Giuseppe. Um, probably one of Pearson or Pearson? Miller is Horvat out there. Killing penalties? Um, I don't think, I don't no, think they want to no. do Horvat. So they have to use Horvath. Miller then. Yeah. Miller. It is going to be Miller. So it'll be Miller and Pearson and it'll be Dickinson and DiGiuseppe or Tyler Mott when Mott comes back. Yes. Yeah. Literally that. Does they had Justin Bailey killing penalties? So then today. when, so then you look at this lineup when Brandon Sutter comes back, does he bump chase on out or does you have to see what happens with chase on, on the power play? If he does enough, does Sutter end up being a healthy scratch? One, Patan? Yeah, exactly. So there's that. Nick Patan yeah. that comes out. But I also wanted to mention something that was interesting that Travis said today. Even with um, the uncertainty of you know the future of Sutter and Besser here the, in the near future, you know he said, he's like, I still haven't decided if Miller's going to start at center on opening night. We assume as much because this late in preseason and Miller hasn't played the wing once. Like we assume that's where he's going to be, but he did make a point of saying like he hasn't decided that yet. So if you're moving him back to the wing when Sutter comes back, that's like now you have that extra center, right? So yeah, well, to I think it's point, Patan that moves because you're moving a guy to the wing, right? Yeah, to that well, point, who though, would with be Miller. your four C then? Sutter. No, like if if they want it, but he's not going to be ready for opening night. I no, so that's what I'm saying is I think it, it, Miller's going to stay center if right. Sutter's not ready. Okay. But if Sutter does come back. Well, yeah, then, think, then, then that I makes sense. Yeah, to the wing for, for sure. sure. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But what's the status right now? Because man, I've had a lot of school and I've been at Abbey for the last like twenty four hours. I've been busy the last twenty four hours here. Is there any sort of update on Brock Besser that you guys have heard no, or anything? We, like, what's, no what is the today. date right now? It sounds like they. I think Green was saying today that they hope he's going to skate tomorrow and that they're still optimistic that he can be ready for opening night. Because that would be, I mean, that's a huge change to the lineup. That's something that I, I, yeah. I think he'll be ready. And we read into the skates and we read into the lines that we see. It's hard to read in there without Brock Besser if we're expecting him on opening night. Because, like, are you guys both thinking that the lotto line doesn't start on opening night? It no. feels like no, it's not going to be that so. way, right? No. no. I think we would have seen them get a look. I'm, I'm about to play the, the DJ Khaled. All I do is win then because I've been telling you this okay, for weeks. Okay, here, but the main reason I think that we haven't seen it at all is because Besser's hurt as soon as PD comes back. I wonder, like, is that the first, like, when you know when Travis is down two and he starts to shake things up? Is that the first line that comes out in the third period when we see a line switch? That like the Horvath, first shift of the game? Horvat Miller, Pedersen. Yeah, we won't like. That's the thing. I think, I think if Besser's hurt, that's what we see. Horvat Miller Patterson, 
Or maybe Miller. Three centers thrown together on one Or you throw one. Miller up with Garland and Pedersen. Yeah, I think that could work. As your like, late push. But, yeah. you know, in the past, it has been, you know, uh, Pedersen, Besser, Horvat. Like, that was the line that they would go to, right? And, you know, now with Miller in there as well, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you go to that if you don't have Besser? I think you might. Um, but, again, that's like final two minutes of the game sort of thing. Yeah, I mean that that's that's very late pushes. We'll see that for sure very yeah. late in the game. I just wonder what happens with cuz we've talked about it so much in past episodes. Like there are so many options. Like you could go the things that we were projecting before training camp, Travis Green just came and just put a big FU to both of us, like all three of us really. Yeah. It was like, "Now I'm going to do this instead." And it seems like it's kind of like been enough for us to be like, "Yeah, okay, I can see why it would work this way." You know, when like it felt like the last couple of years, it was either one way where things would be like, mm, maybe this will be okay, or everything was just going to go to crap. But man, I think we're already seeing that just with how lines have been moved around, where it's like, oh, maybe this this could work. This could be a fine second line. This could be a good third line. But that's just because the team has really upgraded a lot in their forward group. And the defense core is something I want to talk about in the second half. But yeah. we'll throw to a quick ad break right here. And then there's, a, I mean, there's. A lot of problems in the defense, and we'll get into the defense score in the second half, but let's get to a quick ad break now, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Muddlers. Muddlers Pink Lemonade. We are so excited to tell you guys about Muddlers Pink Lemonade. My drink of choice. You guys have all seen it by now. Faber and I went out drinking. That was my uh, drink of choice first night. I think that the catchphrase for this ad has to be, it's the only alcohol that Quads likes. Absolutely. It's so good. It's absolutely the best pink lemonade on the market by far. A lot of these other drinks are just a little too sweet for me. Like, I, I don't really like that. And this is like a nice mix because I also don't like when it tastes too much like alcohol. But this is like the, the perfect balance. There's a reason that it was the drink I got when we went to the Parallel Street Kitchen as well. It, absolutely, man. It is the sweet spot for quads in the alcoholic beverage realm. You can find it, like you said, at Parallel 49 Street Kitchen and in a ton of liquor stores. All the BC liquor stores have it. It's the bright pink cans, Muddler's Pink Lemonade. Go out and try it today. Alert, alert. Parallel 49 is bringing back one of its favorite beers of the winter. The Salty Scott is back, folks. The Scotch Ale we all know and love is now available across British Columbia in their government and private liquor stores. Enjoy a strong caramel flavor, a salty bite, and a generous 7.5% alcohol. It only takes one of these tall boys to get the night going. So go out and try a Parallel 49 Salty Scott today. And a huge thank you to our sponsors. We mentioned it. Really good lunch at the uh, Parallel Street Kitchen today. Quads, the $6 pretzel. I think you brought it up in the intro there. That thing came out buttery. Oh, it was so good. It looked, looked all good. Of, it was olive oil. It oh, it was? Butter. Yeah, it was olive oil. Was that a, an Italian request you put in? No, that's that's just how that's, they made oh, it. Oh, just how it came out. Okay. Yeah, hot mustard too. Fantastic. It was so good. Check it out. Would, would olive oil be better than butter? I feel like butter, a little melted butter on there might be a I, little bit better. I really liked it. I really liked it. It looked good. It was, it was, man, I love a good pretzel. Yeah, nice salt. What's your, what's your favorite, like, salty snack harm? We have, we and quads have talked enough about this. Mm, that's a really good question. Like, name, <laughs> name some of these, like, name, name some options. And I'm I'll thinking, just, like, like pretzels, are you a chips guy, chips, pretzels guy? Definitely chips. What yeah. kind of chips? Uh, ketchup, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
wow. I oh can't my, believe. Oh I just said God. it off the top of my head. And Literally. Like, and then I was like, oh. <laughs> Whoops! I had no idea you liked ketchup this much. I think we need to call the episode something with ketchup. This yeah, is, this, that was this hilarious. Is, this is news to me, and like we've been friends for a while now. Like I had yeah. no clue. You no, liked I mean Lay's ketchup chips. Oh, <laughs> the bomb! Wow, have you ever dipped them in ketchup? Oh, I've tried that. <laughs> Are you I serious? I thought, dude, I was like maybe like 10, 11 years old, and I was like, I have to try dipping ketchup chips yeah. with ketchup. We I was all like, tried it. Everything tastes amazing with ketchup, <laughs> and it did not taste amazing. You've like been in a barbecue and you got like your fries, you got some chips, you got your burger, and there's ketchup there. You're gonna, I'll, you're gonna I'll try eat, it. I'll eat cucumbers with ketchup. Oh my god. What? Like now to this day? Okay, I haven't done it in like a couple years, but yeah. Wow. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind it. I'd eat that today. Mm. You know know what? Just for you boys, I will (laughs) cut up cucumber, I will have some ketchup and then post on Twitter. Oh Oh man, you know what? People are gonna People are going to forget about mustard and watermelon pretty damn quick. People are going to think that, that this is us influencing <laughs> yeah. you, and him in particular, That's the big people, guy people here. People are coming you. at me on Twitter all the time. You're forcing Harm to take all these shots. Blah, 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 blah. What the hell? He's an innocent child. He's posting this cucumber ketchup video on his own. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm not going to post a video. I'll post a photo. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. The photo oh, will be man. good enough. One of the little tricks that I've that I've always liked, this is, we'll get off the food topic in a second, but you know, like, you have steak, you have a baked potato, you got sour cream on the baked potato. I would always do a little sour cream on the steak. Just to, to add a little, 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 like a little boost of cream on top no, of the steak. It's no, good. No, it's not. Some One person out there will agree with me. Sometimes you're you're eating your baked potato and your steak and the you know a little sour cream falls off and steak yeah. ends up dragging through it on accident. Maybe you get a bacon bit on there. Oh my gosh, man. And, and this is something you like. Oh, I do it like... I know I learned this on accident, but I do that now. I like I used to fake it. Like sometimes I'd be, you know, my mom would make dinner when I was a kid. I'd be like, oh, I put the sour cream on the baked potato. Oops, I slipped and a whole glob went on the steak. Whoops, <laughs> whoops. I guess I have to eat it with the sour cream on top too. Oh my gosh, I've done that before. I know I've done that. Did the same with the lasagna. Whoops. Yeah. No, that was my stepmom who told me to do that. Yeah. You're never gonna live that one down either. It no. wasn't good, right? Like it wasn't. I put way too much on like that picture. I don't know if it's even still. Uh, I don't think I deleted it. Maybe I'll find it. But like yeah. that was before I had a lot of followers on t- like this. This whole mean and weird stuff. This didn't start this year. Like that was like one of the ones that really crossed the line. Oh, man. That's funny. The Italians were coming at me after yeah, that. Yeah, we came out of the woodworks, man. We were we came out of the delis. Just yeah. To, yeah. Swinging salamis yeah, around. Swinging salamis at you. Okay. You wanted to talk about goalies, so I will hit not the yet, music. Not yet. No, we're talking about defense first. And if there's time, okay. we'll get to the goal. You were the one that wanted to talk goalies. Yeah, I got it on the list, but it's at the bottom of the list. Okay. Okay. As Go it ahead. should be. Go ahead. Uh, all right. So we got the Hughes and Pullman pairing. Does, how does that make you guys feel about the second pairing on the team? Well, Quads, we'll start with you because you love Tyler Myers. You think he's God's gift to defenseman. He's big, <laughs> he's tall, he's strong, he's good looking. Everything about him is so good. So now he's going to be on a second pairing with Oliver Ekman Larson. I'm there, interested man? to see how that pair defends against the rush. Um, I'm very interested to see how they do with in zone defense when you have Tyler Myers on that pairing. Honestly, I don't want to pass judgment before they're pairing, but on paper, that to me looks like a tire fire. Like, sure. Also, I think Oliver Ekman Larson's looked pretty damn good in the preseason, and 
I'm going to be interested to see how long I guess he can keep that up and mm-hmm. how much of that um, is affected from seeing a lot of AHL competition. Um, I'm interested to see how that pairing does long term because you know one pairing I'm confident in saying that I would be comfortable with was OEL and Pullman because they look good together and you know again how much of that is AHL competition that sort of thing. But again, like Hughes and Pullman. I liked the look of that last night as well. So again, it's early for both of these pairings, but on paper, you would think that OEL Myers would just be an absolute tire fire, but it wasn't last night. And I'm interested to see kind of how they're deployed. And I mean, we're getting a pretty good indication of it with last night's game against Edmonton Saturday night against Edmonton. And, um, you know, obviously the season opener is against Edmonton as well. So you're going to get a pretty good indication of like what you have in these defense bearings. Cause look, yeah. they're going to have to defend that top line in well, Edmonton. That's, that's the interesting thing is like, I look at Thursday's game and Quinn Hughes and Tucker pool and match up against the McDavid line, every single shift, every single shift, they match up against that line, but harm the way that we've heard Jim Benning and Travis green talk about OEL makes it sound like his line is going to be the matchup pairing. But do you think that meant anything on Thursday that Hughes, you know, had a positive control of possession numbers, positive Corsi up against McDavid and Dreisaitl. That's hard to do against those two guys. He does a great job in the preseason game. And, you know, we always talk, oh, AHL competition that they're going up against. This was not that. You know, this was McDavid and Dreisaitl with Jesse Poyarvi playing against Hughes and Pullman. They held their own in that one. Do you think that is the type of thing we see? Or like Quad said, is it going to be a test on opening night that now Myers and OEL are matching up against the McDavid and Dreisaitl line? Yeah, it's really interesting because I wouldn't be surprised if they switch things up and and go with Hughes-Pullman as a matchup pair just because... You know, I think they look at uh, OEL as someone they're comfortable with in terms of playing matchup minutes. And I think with Pullman, they really like the idea of pairing him with OEL and, and having his foot speed there. And, you know, Pullman's had that experience in Winnipeg going up against top lines as well. So there's two guys there. Uh, and Hughes has done it as well in 2019-20, obviously, with Chris Tanev. And the one guy in the top four who hasn't historically defended against top lines is Tyler Myers. And so... It's it's kind of a process of elimination, right? Where it's like in an ideal world, I think they'd like to go OEL Pullman, but that would mean going Hughes Myers, and they're not going to go Hughes Myers because they don't trust them together defensively, which I wouldn't either. So you kind of have to go Hughes Pullman, and you know, I just the idea of of you know, I'm not worried about OEL like long term with the contract yes i'm worried about how he ages but for the short term for this season i like he's honestly on this blue line he's one of the least of my worries i think he's by far going to be the second best defenseman on this team he's going to bounce back i think it's it's just when when he's paired with tyler myers and and you know myers can do some things offensively but defending the rush it's always shocked me for a guy that is as big as Myers is, has as long of a reach, can, is generally pretty mobile. His footwork is just not good. And the idea of OEL Myers trying to defend against Connor McDavid in transition like that kind of scares me to the point where I, I almost think like Hughes Pullman, those are a couple of pretty good skaters. I'm a, I still think Hughes has work to do in terms of transition defense, yeah. but he's still got that matchup experience. And so I do wonder if they'll ultimately lean towards Hughes Pullman. I just wonder, is that... So you talk about them just being a good matchup pairing like that. What you think OEL and Myers is going to be the matchup pairing. 
But do you think that it's just McDavid and Drysettle that we see the matchup because of the skating so much better between Hughes and Pullman? Or do you think that the OEL Myers will match up against all the other teams' best lines just because they're not the speedster like McDavid is? Or we'll do you think the like the top lines are going to get a good taste of Hughes and Pullman all game long? We'll see. I mean, uh, I'll be honest. I don't know what what they're thinking on that front. If it was me, I would I would trot out Hughes Pullman as my is is my matchup pair. Just because again, I I think for Tyler Myers, if you're going to get the best out of him, I just I don't want him defending again defending against top players. I just you know let him pinch, let him play, let him move the puck, let him let him be be free offensively. I don't want him chasing the play, and and mm-hmm. and that's where I, I I personally would be worried about deploying him against tough competition. Yeah, so maybe maybe that helps that pairing a lot though too. You know, not having to go against top lines if Hughes and Pullman are able to take on top lines, which I'm still not sure if they can. You're yeah. not sure if they can. I don't think anyone in the Canucks organization is even sure if they can. But if you're looking at those two top four pairings as they are right now. I'm more confident in Hughes and Pullman being able to defend for sure. Yeah. So that's our top four. I think that's nothing's going to shake around with that. I still think there are some questions on the third pairing, even as one preseason game comes in. You guys were at the skate today. What was the third pairing today? I missed it. I can't remember. All right. All right. Shed on the ice today? Instead of. Talking about what you guys were at the Prague. I was, I'm at friggin' Abbotsford practice. They don't have numbers on their jerseys. I could tell you who the third pairing was because there was only four defensemen. So there was no third pairing. But we're talking about the third pairing for the Canucks. Sorry, Rathbone Shen. Rathbone Shen was the third pairing. So That's opening night. Third pairing opening night. Is Rathbone Shen the opening? Hunt Bowie. Yolevi's off this team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as we've been saying for a couple weeks, Yolevi has, didn't do himself any favors to start. It's over. He's not on this team. So they're waving Yolevi instead of Bowie, you guys think? Yeah, I think so. I think Bowie is more valuable than Yolevi overall. I do. Mm. I think Bowie gives you more than Yolevi does. So opening night, Rathbone and Shen is going to be the third pairing for the Canucks. No thought of Brad Hunt potentially. On are the we? Right side. Are we sure on that? Like, are we, that's what I'm saying. I don't think so. I don't, I don't know for. I don't know if Rathbone is a certainty to be the the third. You pair think guy. Rathbone is less of a certainty than Shen? I think Rathbone's yeah. made this team. I think he's going to be on the third He's pairing. made the team for sure. I think he's going to be on the third pairing opening night. I think the question is if he's going to play with Shen or Hunt. If they want to play I don't Hunt think they can. Right I don't think they can go Rathbone-Hunt because then you don't have enough penalty killers. Mm, that's a good point. I think Shen. It's Shen. I think Shen makes the Shen, team. And Shen well. will make the team for sure. But I, uh, like, I think that's your third pairing. Who, who are you thinking? Well, what if Hunt comes in for Rathbone? I mean, I'm not saying that that's what I would do, but like... How dare you? Well, here's the thing. Like he's a friend of the show. Rathbone's been excellent offensively. I still think he's had moments where it, it just comes down to what is the coaching staff's risk tolerance. What do they want out of a third pair, right? Because Rathbone's going to create more offensively, and uh, he's going to be a lot more exciting and creative, dynamic. But uh, there have been moments where you know he's a rookie. He's he's going to make mistakes from time to time, and I guess that's what Luke Shen is there for. But Hunt can do a lot of the sim, a lot of the same puck, a lot of the same puck moving is not going to be as dynamic, but he can be a little bit more reliable and stable. So, I mean, I'm not saying that I'd put Hunt over Rathbone. I just, I, I'm genuinely curious if if Rathbone 
is a lock for the third pair job. He's making the team for sure. It's right. just, is he going to be on the opening night opening night lineup? I think it's it's going to come down to what Travis Green... If Travis Green believes that you're getting a better Luke Shen with Brad Hunt, I think that's what it's going to come down to. Like Maybe the things that Jack Rathbone is going to do ends up putting Shen in a lot worse situations, right? And makes him a worse player for your team. When Hunt, he's not going to take as many... You know, I mean, he is like he's a not he's an aggressive yeah. defenseman, but he's not at the same level as Jack Rathbone is. So I wonder if that helps make things a little bit easier on Shen, who, you know, without Hamannick here, they're asking Shen to do a lot to come in and just be even just be a third pairing guy to start the season. I think that's asking Shen more than what we all kind of predicted was going to be asked of him at when he signed the contract. He was signed, I think, to come in as a seventh, eighth guy, you know, be your fourth right pair, like the guy that the number four in your depth chart for right defense. That's what Shen was signed here for. He wasn't signed here to be in the opening night roster. But now he's there. I just wonder if there's a lot more risk with having Shen in your lineup if Rathbone's beside him instead of Hunt. That's the way I can see it. Yeah. Being for Hunt getting the opening night lineup is if green just wants to play hunt because he doesn't think it's going to be as worrisome having him with Shen. Like, I think that Rathbone is better. He's a better defenseman. I think he's looked, I, I don't even think hunts look better defensively than Rathbone. Like everybody's been really high on hunt throughout this whole camp. I, I just haven't like, I haven't seen a game where I've been like Brad hunt had a really good game tonight. I haven't said that once all season long. And I think I'm in the minority here. I think a lot of people have really liked what they've seen for Brad hunt, but He's really just not impressed me with anything yet. But the what coaches want out of an ideal third pair guy, a lot of times is a guy you never notice, right. like an Oscar Fantenberg. Yeah, you know, like I mean, Hunt's not Fantenberg. Hunt, I think, is a better player than than Fantenberg, and I definitely get your um, argument. He hasn't stood out, but I think he's generally been pretty solid, and he he's he hasn't made many mistakes, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what direction they lead the in. The thing is, is you want a defenseman who plays mistake-free hockey, right? And, you know, I get what Harmon's saying. And it, it kind of comes back to this. I was talking about this with Daniel Wagner, Pastaboulis, about, you know, Rathbone and Yulevi we were still talking about at the time. And it was just like, he's like, yeah, Yulevi, you know, like people on Twitter are always bringing it up to me. They're like, oh, Yulevi makes less mistakes than Rathbone. It's like, yeah, but he he's no threat offensively right like you love he makes still makes more mistakes exactly so there's not only that but the thing is when people look at rathbone and they see him bobble a puck it's like yeah but he just rushed it from his own end yeah. all the way to the other end right and it, the baseball analogy is like if you have a shortstop who doesn't make an effort for balls and you know anything that's out of his reach he won't dive for it well he's never going to make an error those are all base hits but then you have the shortstop who's laying out and then bobbling the ball once he gets it that's an e6 right it's not no if you lay out yeah of course it is absolutely not if you lay out absolutely no, it's if, not I, I didn't think it was yeah yes it still is no it, it's not if, if you're in the, the outfield and you try to make a diving catch that's not an error no, I, I just said shortstop. Yeah. If a shortstop lays out for a ball that the scorekeeper d- deems is like playable, right? And he bobbles it, it's an error. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Not if, if he, he get, lays out for it. Not yeah. if he lays out full stretch. Absol- oh no, my gosh, not. I'm going to have to pull up a rule book on you guys. No, I was an umpire. Well, apparently not a good one. That's that's not an error if you lay out. 
I mean, my extensive baseball experience is playing MLB saying, the show. So yeah, if you're saying I don't know if I'm the like, best person in this argument. Here's but. what Quaz is about to say. If you like lay out and then get up and bobble the ball, that's an error. But yeah, if you lay out about. and like stop the ball. Yeah. And you don't get the out at first. No, 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 no. That's a base hit. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That is a base hit. Yes. But if you if you lay out, stop the ball, and you come up, and you can't make the play. Okay, well, now okay, that's completely yeah, different. Yeah, no. Whatever. It's the I'm same. Like I, on the dive, you it. bobble it. Yeah, I called exactly okay, what you were about to say. Okay, this is aside from the point. What were we okay. even talking about? <laughs> we got there? sidetracked. We did get sidetracked. Okay. I'm looking it up. I'm looking. Uh, no, no, we no, we're need... on the same page now. We're on the same page yeah, now. Yeah, we're all on the same page, because you're just going to repeat what I just said. We're on the same page now. Okay. So, Rathbone versus Hunt. Back to this here for a second. I just think that, like... For, I think we're all in the camp of we'd like to see Rathbone yeah. be the guy. Yeah. I'm in the camp of he's still a more defensively... Like, he doesn't hurt you defensively as much as people think when they make this argument yes. of it could be Hunt. He doesn't hurt you like that defensively, but the way that I kind of presented it to you, Harm, was like, I, I do think that it puts more pressure on Shen having Rathbone there. Having Hunt there takes pressure off of Shen because he doesn't have to deal with the guy going out and potentially yeah, giving true. up two-on-ones. That's what I'm saying about this that's pairing. Good point. And that's that why I think point. Green is... I, I don't think Rathbone does start the season. I'd love him to be there. We would all like to be... like I, We think that he could bring a lot to a third pairing. I just don't see Travis Green doing it when he has the option with Brad Hunt, especially without... If Hamnick was here and Hamnick was, ended up playing on the third pairing, we've talked about this in the offseason, how yeah. good of a third pair we'd like that to be. If it was Rathbone and Hamnick, good third pairing in the NHL to me. That's a good yeah. third pairing. Um, But... I think it's going to end up being Hunt just because of taking the pressure off of Shen as a guy who probably isn't an 82-game NHL player right now. I totally see what you're saying. The reason I still think it's Rathbone is because not only has the guy appeared in like every preseason game, but these ones that really matter and Travis is saying, like, this is my NHL lineup, like, this is what I'm going to do. Look, he was skating there on the third pairing today. Like, there's a reason that it's not Hunt in that spot, right? I think he's there opening night. I think he's on that third pairing. I think he's won, his, won the job. I have no idea, just so you guys know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think he's won the job. I think we learned that from Travis, even in, in his post game on Thursday, was like, listen, like there are still decisions he has to make. Well, yeah, so, yeah. Obviously. No, I'm saying, but like, like there are, I think the decisions he has to make are a couple line combinations in the, in the bottom six and the third pairing. That's the only decisions he has left to make. I just... So, like, do you think, but Quads, you're the only one who's not in the camp of we think Travis is going to go with Hunt. Do you do you seriously think Travis Green's going to start Jack Rathbone? You mentioned we saw it in practice, so that does yeah, mean I do. that way. I do. I do think, you think he's going to go with the, him. this is the thing that, that Green For the record, has I'm not in either of your guys' camp. Oh, yeah. Quads is, or yeah, Harm's not. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I <laughs> I don't know. I can see the case for well, both. Well, I don't know so. either, but I'm just you gotta guessing. you pick, pick a side yeah, and go hard on We pay you enough. you got to come in here and pick <laughs> sides between us here. Pick a side and you go hard on it. That's what we do on you this just, show. Harm is a bigger free agent bust than Tyler Myers. Away. He's uh, not picking wow. sides here. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> pay me $6 million, Then you can call me. <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll get a take. Can, well, we, can we get to some goalie talk, please? Uh, okay. Final thing. Hold on. We gotta put Harm on the spot. Opening night. Who's the left side third pairing? What is it, Harm? Harmon Dial on the record. We're gonna post a Twitter graphic with the, with this. It says Harmon Dial on who's gonna start. Harmon with third a pairing. bottle of ketchup holding it up. <laughs> <laughs> Harmon's lock of the week with his ketchup here. I don't know. I don't know. 
Wow. wow what a I, solid. I, I would need to I, like really think about this, <laughs> probably make some calls and like, <laughs> yeah, like I'd have a better guess then. I don't right, just well, want to hey. randomly throw a dart at the board when I have no clue. <laughs> we are about to waste probably three minutes of the podcast here. You can probably make a quick call. Quads, hit the goalie intro. Oh yeah, he, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have done that public knowledge. That's uh, that's a big no no. I don't know. No, I, I can't really give the time and date, or else I feel like Nona's shoe will be flying across <laughs> North America, ready to hit me in the head. We think we spent half an hour talking about a backup goaltender. All right, get out of here, Woodley. All right, favors going to be favors going to be very pissed. So, you know, I don't like to say bad things about goaltenders. All right, that's it. The goalie intro. The best part of the goalie uh, segment here on the show. I, we could probably just wrap it up there, actually. People have mentioned that we could just play the intro. We don't actually have to talk about goalies. But I do want to bring up one little thing. T- Man, I don't I don't mean to come out and like, just say it out loud, but like, I don't know about Yaroslav Halak, man. Something worries me about him and Nett. Something on Thursday night's game. Like Maybe it's because I've seen the way that Demko moves in the crease. And then seeing Di Pietro move in the crease and now seeing Halak move around in the crease. Oh, man. It, you know, that first goal with dry sidle scored rips it on the short side over his shoulder. So he doesn't get to the post quick enough. And then everyone after that, he was overdoing it. Like he was attached to his whole body and like like everything was it just there was a lot of things that maybe just from watching Mikey fear for a few games and seeing like what good mechanics look like. Something about Halak worried me a little bit. I, this brings a tear to my eye because I, how many times have we been at a camp or a practice and I s- turn to you and I say, look how Mikey's integrating on the posts. And I, I explain to you the mechanics and now you're picking up on it. All it, right. I'm having an effect on you. I am. All right. And Mike, hell favor. <laughs> am I going to have to be the anti-goalie guy now? <laughs> Yes, oh, well, man. you should. I got All this wh- goalie gibberish. Just of, stop the puck. Speaking of, we got... <laughs> There's uh, no mechanics. Just stop the puck. <laughs> Kevin oh, Woodley, I called him for 650 the other day. He was screaming at me about the poll question, which we forgot to tweet out. Shout out to uh, <laughs> Blue Orca Memorabilia. Yeah, at Feel the Fan on Twitter. Go check them out for all your Canucks memorabilia needs. They got lots of good stuff, like yeah. signed photos and stuff. Go check them out. A lot at of Horvat stuff on there. A lot of Horvat stuff. Horvat and Demko stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Demko There's, stuff. We're gonna. Well, we're still gonna post the the tweet. Yes, we'll, we'll post the. We're contractually the obliged. <laughs> yes, we just completely. For, so normally, we're pretty good. We do it in the break, but Quads was off. Friggin taking a piss or whatever he was doing for yeah. seven minutes there in the bathroom. At Fuel the fan. I was in the bathroom for seven minutes. It was number one at fuel. The fan on Twitter. Know. Go check them out. All right. Harmon. Harmon was had time to run to the convenience store, get a bag of ketchup chips and come back. Whole <laughs> question. What was Quaz doing in the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> or what's the best thing you can dip ketchup chips into? Oh man. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, all right. That's it for the goaltender talk. Mikey DiPietro got sent down to the uh, AHL. Yeah, Arthur Silov was on the ice today. Yeah, well, well, you know what? Let's just do it right here to the prospects report. Don't have a lot, but I was out in uh, Abbotsford today at training camp. Talked to Trent Cole, talked to Ash and Sautner, um, and I did actually talk to Cole about. I talked to both actually Sautner and Cole about Di Pietro coming back, and you know Sautner. I forgot. Like I was thinking, I was like, where the hell was Ash and Sautner all of last year? Like, and I've like he was on the uh, what are they? What do they even call? It? I forgot the day. taxi squad. So he was on the taxi squad like all of last year. He got those two games in with Winnipeg. He was like, man, he was saying like, I just feel like I haven't played a game in a year and a half. Like he was telling me. And I asked him about Mikey and he said, 
you could see Mikey grow throughout the start of that, like the way that he looked at the start of them working together on the taxi squad to the end of it. He was saying that like the way that he grew in that year, people don't understand how much it really was. So like, wow. I tell you what Mikey's going to do this year and now it's for, is going to be amazing. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. So I asked, I asked Sautner a little bit and I know he's not a prospect or anything, but I think he's going to be the captain out there in Abbotsford. And it was something I asked him about. I said like, you know, what would it be like to wear, you know, he said, he's like, I've worn a letter before. He's like, he's here in the organization again, but that's a thing that's up to the coaches to make a decision. So I think he's going to be the captain. I don't, I can't think of another name on the Abbotsford Canucks who makes more sense than Ashton Sautner. So uh, to hear that, you know, to hear him be excited about it and, and excited for what they're going to do with that Abbotsford team last year, I'll have a little article and a write up from some other things. Good. But talking with Trent Cole, Cole was like, man, this is a really young team. Like, he's like, I didn't really expect this team to be this young out here in Abbotsford. Carol Plastic's a guy who I who I like today at the training camp. He was skating around well, obviously mentioning stuff about Klimovich. The feeling that I got, and this isn't like anything for sure, but the feeling that I got with some answers when I was asking about Klimovich was like, yeah, he's down in the A, but like, and maybe Harm, you can help me. He can still get sent to the Q, though. Yes, he can. I had a f- the just the way that Cole was talking about him. I I wouldn't be shocked to see well, him go to the Q still. Can you expand on that? Like how was he going? Well, here, well, here's the thing. So Benning initially told me in the summer that their plan was to send Klimovich down to the Q. Of course, he had a great camp, and you know I think this is kind of a little bit com- uh, a little, little bit complex because of the ELC situation. So because Klimovich. Was is eight was eighteen when he signed his contract. He can play this year in the AHL, and it won't it it won't burn a year of his ELC. Now, on the flip side, if he gets sent down to the queue, he's not he's not only ineligible to play in the AHL this season, but also next year. So, I think this is just the Canucks doing their due diligence, getting an extra look at him, seeing seeing him um, in a pro environment again. So they have as much information as they can before they make their decision because it's kind of an important one in terms of it's not only this year, but you're committing to where he's going to play next year. And of course, he could get loaned to Europe or whatnot, but um, you know, Abbotsford, you obviously have more stop yeah. there too, right? That, that's Cons- what they probably don't want is to control, like bounce yeah. him around. Yeah. And, you know, I just, uh, I guess maybe that part really threw a wrench in it to me when I first learned that it was going to have to be two years committed to the, the CHL. If he were to go that route, I mean, they can't loan him back to the AHL team in the end. I think they have to keep him here. I think they have to keep him in the A now. I don't think that you want to commit two years. I think the thing is like, yeah, what if he goes to the queue this year and he rips it up this year? What's he going to do gaining another year there? Europe. Where, like where Europe are you thinking? Are you thinking the K or are you thinking the, the SHL? Could be the KHL worries me with a guy like Klimovich. Well, you'd get to handpick your spot, right? Right. It wouldn't be like a Pod Colson situation where he's stuck on a team that doesn't care about the guy. Mm-hmm. I, I would almost think like a different league might be better. It, well, here's the thing: I've tried like talking to, um, you know, just scouts and other people who work on the development side, and you know, their thought process is always when you have an 18 year old should almost always go back to junior unless he's like a top 10 pick. And the reason why is it's you generally want your prospects to be overripe. If anything, it's fine. If Klimovich goes down and, you know, spends a year ripping up, ripping up the queue, 
it's not going to necessarily harm him. But what could harm him is if he goes down to the A, he has trouble applying his tools, loses his confidence, and now all of a sudden you're stunting his offensive growth. And so, you know, if you bring him, if you rush him along too soon, it's it's just one of those things where development-wise, I think organizations are cognizant of trying not to put too much on a prospect's plate. The The whole idea is like, yeah, he could probably do it, but just go out and prove it, right? It's like the whole Ken, what Ken Holland used to do in Detroit with prospects. And granted, he I think he did it to an exaggerated extent, but I think with prospects, you generally want to know for 110% sure that they can dominate a certain level before you graduate them prematurely. Because if you graduate them prematurely, um, I mean, there's a risk there for sure. But again, I also see the other side of the coin where it's like, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if you could develop some of those priority habits in the A, but I even I think know. the confidence is opposite for me. I think that the way that Klimovich has wanted to come here, play for the Canucks, everything, obviously he's not going to make the NHL, even though he could have said that in all of his interviews going into it. To to now send him away from this organization that has really brought him in with open arms and a fan base that's open or like the fans in Oxford are excited to see what Klimovich yeah, exactly. can do on the ice, even if it's just a flashy play every three games. Like I think that keeping him here is better for his confidence than sending him to another team now in a league that he has no idea about. I think I mean, that hurts his confidence French even more. Too. And don't get like the on ice stuff. I think he gains confidence scoring, you know, a ton of goals in the QMJHL. I do, but I think that just like overall confidence in general, I think keeping him with the AHL and trying to, to work some things with him in like in your organization is something that we haven't seen the Canucks try and do with a guy who's 18 years old, really. Uh, in the AHL anyways, like they've rushed guys like McCann and Vertanen and tried that. But to me, I think that keeping him in the A gives him a good chance to work with the organization and really work out the things that they want to see. Well, how many guys from this year's draft class are going to play at the AHL or at an equivalent level, especially ones outside the first round? It's a big, big ask. He's 18, just fresh out. And here's the other thing too, like the Belarusian League, and 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 I think I've mentioned this before, but yeah, he ripped up the Belarusian League, but if you look, and again, someone someone sent me the example. I think one of his teammates was Danil Stepanov or something, yeah. and this guy had like more points than Klimovich by quite a bit, and the year before, like literally the year before in the WHL, he had like something to the two, he didn't even hit double digits points in the WHL. Wow. Yeah. And then but he was I like be two points though. per game in the Belarusian League. Like the Belarusian League sucks. Yeah. I would that player that you mentioned <laughs> already a huge forgot. Jump. I, I would doubt that that player has as many pro level skills in North America sure, as Klimovich does. For sure. And I think that's the thing where it's like, you know that there's things there with like even watching him skate today, like his skating still sticks out in an AHL practice. Like it stuck out compared to man, like he was skating on a like he would skate against a line that had Vinny Arsenault on it, and he's skating circles around Vinny Arsenault. But then another thing, like the thing that you need to see him work on, I even tweeted out the video of this one. Sautner comes in on this drill where they were both kind of like in between the blue line and the red line, and they had and then the puck went to one guy's side. He picked it up and he went in on the goaltender that way. And Sautner just beat Klimovich around the side, just leaned on him and just went right to the net and got a good scoring chance off. To me, that's the thing that needs to be worked on. Because the other when the when the coin's on the other side, I don't think that's even a saying, but when when it's on the other side, like when Klimovich is driving and doing things offensively against Sautner, 
he looks fine. But when Sautner, who's a defenseman, is going up against Klinovich, Klinovich just doesn't look good there. So those are the things that he really needs to work on to me. Well, the other thing, too, is like my only worry sometimes is with the AHL level. And again, from what we've seen in camp, I've, you know, I've been really impressed. Like, I just don't want a guy to lose puck touches. And that's the biggest thing where it's like going into the A and it's with any level that's a lot quicker and um, more challenging is you want a score like Klimovich, wherever he's playing, to have a lot of touches with the puck, to be making plays offensively. And yes, it's important to round out the other parts of his game, but he has a lot of time to do that as well. Again, he's only 18 yeah, and it's like I want Klimovich to just be making plays offensively and it's like is he going to be able to continue developing his offensive game maybe maybe i mean he's been again he's been impressive at camp um but he's he's getting first power play unit time if he's playing on the abbotsford team i mean there's not a lot of other great scoring for i would rather you know from what we saw in camp or from what i've seen over the past couple of years I, I think I'd rather that have HL team is going to be stacked, man. Well, I mean, once you get certain guys down there, yeah, I think there's a few players that would be better offensively. Like Carson folks, not getting PP one over Klimovich. Klimovich is a better scorer than Carson folk is right now. Well, especially when someone like a Mott comes back, what if like a Nick Patan gets sent down? Yeah. Or like, yeah. uh, even a McEwen's going to get sent, but down even a probably. second, like he, he is playing on a power play unit Maybe. for sure. Are you really talking about the Abbotsford Canucks power play right now? Seriously, you did a show where you talked about USA's third string goaltender, and hey, you're going to tell me that, that matters. This is... At least that's an NHL goaltender. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, this whoa. isn't. This is a, a, a the minor league team of the organization. Klimovich's development matters, quads. Yeah, How why dare do you, you hate Klimovich so much? Anyways, I, I don't hate Klimovich. I'm just saying I would rather hear about John Gibson, Connor. Hall. Should well, we talk you... about? Oh, let's talk about Koskinen Vuo. Yeah. I guess he really matters. What have you? What have you even watched from Costco? you, I asked you the other He's day a on the show. Project Eight forty save percentage. Yeah, yeah. The the chase for nine hundred is on. I, oh, also, <laughs> little bet I have with uh, JD Burke, nine oh five save percentage for Halak. I'm saying under. He's saying over. Mister Positivity, all of a sudden, JD Burke, positive about the Canucks. That's what they call him. Yeah, I just think I think. Like I do, especially hearing that from Colin. I'll get back to that a little bit here. Just hearing the way that Colin said, he's like, you know, we got him here. Like, I'll, I'll get the exact quote out, but he's yeah, kind I want to hear like, why you think this, like, why you have this vibe. That the way that he yeah. was saying was like, you know, we got him here for a little bit now. We've had a pretty good look at him. We'll see what happens, kind of mm, thing. It wasn't that exact quote. The exact quote I'll have it in the article for sure, but it was very close to what I just said there. Actually, yeah, now that yeah, I yeah. said it out loud, it was. You know, they do have him here for a little bit. You know, I asked him about some of the players, like, because I asked about Carol Plastic, because, like, Plastic's an interesting one for me. Coming out of the Czech second division last year, like, yes, he played in the Czech first division, but it's the same thing that people talk about Paris. they're like, oh, he played four games in the SHL. He played 80 seconds. Same with Plastic. He played very small minutes when he was in the Czech first division. He was a mo- majority of the season Czech second division. That's a huge jump to the AHL, man. For a 21-year-old, for Plastic to mo- like come over here and look pretty decent, one of the guys that I thought stuck out on the ice again today. I like him. I, I like him, too. And I liked him in camp. Like, I really did like him in camp. I thought he moved well, and that was the things that Cole was talking about. Like, he skates well. He handles the puck well. He has a good shot. Like, he's going to find a way to get into the top end of our lineup was what Cole guy. was saying. And so, you know, that's another interesting name out there. And, and yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with Klimovich because he's going to end up being – the big story, right? Like Klimovich is going to be the big story in the end if he is out there in Abbotsford. But like, you know, you bring up a lot of good points, but why the Q might be a better spot for him anyways. So I think we'll wrap up the uh, prospect conversation there. And I think we'll wrap up the episode there. Harm, 
It's been a good one here. People have learned a little bit about you that maybe they didn't know <laughs> with the whole ketchup chips dipping into ketchup thing. I don't know about that. People are going to, I'm excited to see the reaction to the cucumber and ketchup picture. <laughs> if even if it doesn't even have to be a video, just the picture, people are going to think I broke you with like the bad food takes <laughs> thing. So excited for that. Thanks for stopping by for another episode. We'll see you in a, in a couple weeks again here, unless uh, quads get sick or something. Cause I don't get sick. I don't miss episodes here on the show. Quads. He's ready to leave. He's already radio show. Second week. He's already not showing up to that. He's, he's sorry. He has, he's lost here. Was I, you know, I'm committed to this thing here, so we'll see. Uh, but Harm, thanks for stopping by again, man. Thanks, boys, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Here, we're going to be deep into the season at that point, man. There's going to be a lot more to talk about, so we'll wrap things up there for my first co-host, David Quadrelli, the new co-host, Harmon Dial, and myself, Chris Faber. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.